Alright, let's open in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for um, being so good to us for this church, for the Sunday school, for the people here. We thank you for um, just uh, putting this topic in front of us, this uh, heavy topic of depression, and I pray that we would uh, not only just to get a head knowledge of it, but also learn how, to, how the gospel ministers to us and how we can minister to the, those around us, God. So will you just use um, these next few moments for your glory as we study this uh, very real this very real um, uh, issue that so many people deal with, God. So give us sensitive hearts, give us open hearts as we learn about it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, you got to turn this on, huh? No, it's already on. Oh, it's on. All right. It picked up our conversation. Um, all right. So, um, so we're so the last couple of weeks, Michael talked about addiction, and today we are going to talk about um, depression. So, before we uh, before we really get into the lesson, let's uh, if you guys have your Bibles or your smartphones or something, turn to Psalm eighty-eight. And I think this is probably one of the uh, most. Um, Heavy Psalms, and uh, as as we read it, listen to like the hopelessness that that is in this psalm. So, it is eighteen verses. I'm going to ask um, Yvonne. Can Yvonne just going to to your left? Can you read um, maybe four verses each? Psalm eighty-eight. Psalm eighty-eight. Okay. <clears throat> four verses each. Yeah, and then Christine can take the next one after that. Okay. <clears throat> Do I need to read the introduction? No, it's fine. Okay. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made them made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave, or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness, or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors, I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me, your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close out on me together. You have caused me, beloved, and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Alright, so this is Psalm 88 that we're reading. As you listen to this psalm, you know, like, the, the pattern for the psalms is you'll, you'll hear, like, um, they're very honest, right? They talk about, you know, what's going on in the psalmist's life, and then usually they express some confidence in God. Have you seen this? If you look in this psalm... The, the psalmist, he says, darkness is his closest friend. He talks about terror, and he, feel, he talks about feeling the wrath, the hand of wrath on, his, on, on him. Um, and there's just, there's just so much, so much uh, sadness, so much sorrow, so much despair in the psalmist's voice. And you don't see any mention of 
God coming to the rescue. You don't see any see this guy looking up for help. It's just it's like he's in a deep dark pit. And this is how a lot of people feel a lot of times is even for those that are Christians, they feel that they are just in a deep dark pit where there is no hope, there is no um there's no hand reaching out to them, there is no light. And uh what we're talking about is depression and this I think this psalm is such a vivid picture of what depression feels like for so many people. And it's cool that I think the uh, this psalm is included in the Bible because the Bible, especially the Psalms, they're so honest about the 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 uh, emotions that we feel, like happiness, joy, hope, confidence, and also despair, also sadness and sorrow. And and just like to to it, this is such um like you wouldn't you probably wouldn't see this on a poster in a Christian bookstore. You know, like where it's like there's like a field of like flowers and the sun is in, in uh, on top and, you know, it's a happy psalm. No, this would be like a ter- people wouldn't put this on a poster and it wouldn't bring like joy to people to like read the psalm. So why is it in here? And I think it's because God knows that depression is such a real part of everyday life. So we're going to talk about depression today and tomorrow, uh, today and also next week. And um, I think, you know, what's interesting about the psalm also is that. Um, the Psalms are not only descriptive, but they like guide us right on how we should approach right. God and think about God. And the Psalm is so devoid of hope mm-hmm. that it's sort of letting us know that um, it's not always wrong or sinful yeah. to just be mired in depression and mm-hmm. not to see light. Right? Yeah. So yeah, that's that's true. So it's like such a realistic picture yeah. of of what we have in in real life. Um, so, um, I don't know, like, do you guys, like, maybe know of someone that, that has struggled with depression or is struggling with depression now? Like, most of you guys are shaking, uh, nodding your heads. Um, so for myself, I, uh, I had one episode, I, I think it's the closest I've ever been to depression. It was, um, uh, towards the end of my college career, and, um, I remember this was, uh, um, I, I remember it was a rainy day. And uh, it was when I was walking around, um, walking around the office during my work lunch hour, and um, I, I, I don't. There was nothing that I can remember that triggered it, but then I just felt like I fell into like this deep, like sadness, and then it be- eventually became like a numbness. And um, for a month, I felt like absolute crap. Like, like there was no color to like. Like everything seemed great to me. Like I just didn't want to talk to anyone. I felt like really tired. Um, I, I didn't want to eat, uh, and I just, like, whereas I was usually pretty social, um, like, this time I just didn't want to talk to anyone, and it lasted for a month. I snapped out of it about a month later, and I don't know why, um, I, I fell into it. There was, I couldn't, I can't think of any, like, particular circumstance, but I just remember, like, the, um, if you guys have ever felt it, like, it's just this, like, like, empty dread in, in, like, in your bones, and that's what I felt, and, um... I think that was just like a very mild uh, episode of what a lot of people they experience like day in and day out. So um, for for those of us in this room, we have we know people that suffer through this. We might even suffer through it ourselves. And actually, uh, as we go talk about what depression is, um, I think that a lot of us will see that you know pretty much everyone experiences some type of depression. So we'll talk about some of the um, the uh, maybe the physiological aspects of depression. Um, but ultimately, what we want to point to is um, is the gospel hope for those that suffer from depression. So we're not offering any like 
easy fix or anything, but we are talking about the complexities of depression and also where we go to to deal with this. So, um, what is depression? Uh, Eric Chow, can I have you read the um, this definition of depression that I got from the World <coughs> Health Organization? Okay. Depression involves... Wrong one, huh? Yeah, depression <laughs> is a common mental disorder that presents... Uh, the, um, that's present with depressed mood, loss of interest or pleasure, feel, feelings of guilt or low self-worth, disturbed sleep or appetite, low energy, and poor concentration. All right, cool. And also, if you guys want to like jump in with any comments or questions, feel free. I think I, I, had, I didn't design this Sunday school lesson to like go all the way through, so there is some time for you guys to uh, uh, f talk, fill the space with uh, some comments or questions. So depression is... It's it's kind of like hard to describe because it's so complex and people it hits people differently. But this is just a very I think a broad description of depression. It's a common mental disorder and it, it comes along with certain feelings. So um, we have a table here. We have a two types of depression. There's a less severe and the more severe. So there's situational depression, and we'll talk about this later. Where it's a very circumstantial. It might be oh you know like. Um, my, I, I crashed my car, so I feel like a crap, and that might last for a little while. Um, this thymic disorder, this, this is also like a low-grade depression that um, isn't, uh, isn't as severe as the clinical depression that we'll talk about later. Discontent, if you just feel like, you know, there's something in life that isn't right, or you feel like something should be this way, but it's not, so you're like, nah. Um, the more severe clinical depression, um, this is actually a depression that can be diagnosed, uh, by a medical professional, there's major depressive disorder. There's hopelessness that that is felt. So there's a broad spectrum of of uh, depression. So I think that all of us have felt at least the situational depression, right? Like if you haven't, then I would love to have your life. It's it, like yeah, just like anything that happened, it, it brings you down. So it could be relationships, it could be um, like family life, it could be stuff on the job, or just uh, something bad that has happened. Um, and then uh, all the way to clinical depression to the point where you feel like utter despair, utter hopelessness. This is, I think, what the psalmist in Psalm 88 felt. Um, so let's talk about um, what depression feels like. And, uh, you know, like I uh, even though I had my little like depressive episode uh, years and years ago, uh, I, it's still hard for me to really understand what um, people that suffer from depression feel so I was reading the descriptions of it and um, if you guys have experienced it yourself I think these things are going to resonate with you if you know people that have talked to you about depression uh, you'll also some of these things still will also resonate with you so um, Ashley can I have you read uh, this quote from Elizabeth Wurzel on how depression feels depression involves a complete absence absence of effect absence of feeling absence or res or response absence of in interest the pain you feel in the course of a major clinical depression is an attempt on nature's part to fill up empty space. But for all intents and purposes, the deeply depressed are just the walking, walking dead. All right. Have you guys ever like just like gone through the day or the week and you felt like there was just nothing there, like like no feeling or anything? Um, this is, I think, this is a good descriptor of what some depressed people feel is this. Uh, like they're walking dead. It's just like you're alive, but you're not. You're like a zombie. You don't feel anything. Um, and um, some uh, some some depressed people will say like, I would do anything just to feel 
uh, pain even, um, but they don't feel anything. And I think this is why some people, they might resort to cutting. If you guys, um, at my old church, in, um, or at my church in Anaheim, um, a, lot of the, a lot of the younger people, like, they just had like track marks on their, on their arms because they felt such numbness that they, they would do anything to feel anything, even pain. So um, it can, it, that can be one of the uh, things that come out of that. Um, Dan, can you read this uh, next quote by Kay Jamison? Profound melancholia is a day in, day out, night in, night out, almost arterial level of agony. It is pitiless, unrelenting pain that affords no window of hope, no alternative to a grim and brackish existence, and no respite from the cold undercurrents of thought and feeling that dominate the horribly restless nights of despair. All right, thanks. So, um, again, it's just this... uh, um, it's kind of like if, if you're in a tunnel and there is like no light at the end of the tunnel sort of situation where um, you just feel like no hope. There's like no way out of it. So that's why it talks about this like brackish existence. There just is nothing to uh, to look forward to. Um, there's It's just uh, not good at all. Um, so some of the symptoms... And also, um, as we as we talk through this, like maybe uh, you guys might notice some of these in in yourself, and we'll look at some of the statistics later. But I think um, if we look at the statistics, at least a couple of people in the church might be going through depression, maybe more than that. But um, some of the symptoms: depressed mood, diminished interest, <coughs> pleasure in anything, weight loss or weight gain, insomnia, hypersomnia, which is um, you sleep too much, fatigue, feelings of worthlessness, guilt. Diminished ability to think or concentrate, indecisiveness, recurrent thoughts of death, psychomotor agitation, which is when you, um, there might be some like physical like thing, like some sort of tick that you just, that happens over and over and over. Um, persistent aches, pains, cramps, headaches, digestive problems, which you might even go to a doctor and you're like, you know, why do I have these cramps? Why do I feel like physically bad? And they can, the doctor might say, I don't find any reason why you should be feeling this. But it's just it comes out physically as well. So these are some of the symptoms, and um, I think the uh, the uh, place where I got these symptoms from, they said if you feel like three or, three or four of these, then it might be um, a, a sign that you're depressed. And depression is something that you don't just uh, you might not know that you're depressed. Um, but these are some of the symptoms that that uh, that are associated with depression. Any comments or questions at this point? All right. I think it's really interesting that um, depression is like this um, colorlessness, or I mean, this um, inability to feel pleasure or joy. You can't take delight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's really tragic. Yeah. Yeah. To to like feel nothing and right. uh, yeah. Thanks. All right. Um, the reality of depression. So what I want to push across with this point is. There's so many people that suffer from depression, and um, it's not, it's not, you know, like, I think that I was fairly ignorant of the, the reality of depression for a long time, because I thought, oh, you know, like, like I'm normal, and uh, if I don't have any problems, other people don't have problems. If I don't feel melancholy, other people probably don't, and I was, I think I was pretty insensitive as well. If someone is very, like, uh, emo, and if they are very, um, they, they, they just, like, have this dark cloud over them I'm thinking like ah snap out of it like 
there's like so much good in the world and I was pretty insensitive. I was like, you know, just, you can just, you can, you can fix it. Right. So, um, what I want to push across is that so many people suffer from, from depression. And I hope that if we don't suffer from depression, we'll at least be sensitive to those that are suffering from it. So, um, stats I found one in five people experience depression. This is the serious type of depression that may perhaps even the clinical depression. Um, and then, uh, on top of that, pretty, everyone experiences depression to some extent. Um, 121 million people in the world suffer from clinical depression. This is across the world. And they say that in, uh, in developed countries in the world, about 15% of every population in every country suffer from, uh, this, this type of depression, this clinical depression. So that's a lot. And, um, and, uh, a lot of these, a lot, this is, a. Depression is the, uh, it's the, um, uh, they, they say that, I think the stats I got from the World Health Organization, it's the number, it, it's the number one cause of absenteeism or lost productivity on the job. Like, you might, if you don't feel like going to work, um, you're not going to go to work. If you are at work, you're just going to play like Minesweeper or Tetris on your computer rather than doing work because hmm. you just don't feel like being productive. You don't feel like doing anything, so you'll just find something to fill up your time. Um, depression is also, um, they say it's probably the number one um, undiagnosed mental disorder. So, so many people suffer from it, but they don't know what uh, they're suffering from. Um, and um, 5.8, this is every year, 5.8% of men and 9.5% of women suffer from de a depressive episode in any given year. So, um, that doesn't mean that only 5.8% of men suffer from depression. It's that every year, these are people that go in for help. These are people that uh, that say they, they recognize that there's something wrong with them. So they uh, are seeking treatment, but then it could be higher. And it could, it could be maybe it's not affecting someone one year, but maybe the next year or the year after, um, they're being affected by it. So it actually covers a whole lot of people, this uh, issue of depression. So... In the church, are we like any, in terms of like makeup and demographic, is there much of a difference in the church, do you guys think? Should, should Christians be depressed? Ideally, no. Ideally, no? Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you guys think? <clears throat> why, why do you say that? Well, I mean, because it's like, like, you have faith in God, like, you know, you know that there's a greater hope after life than when I have time on earth, it's just really spent to serve and, you know, be impactful. And then, <laughs> and then after, like, you know, it's like you go on something greater. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, depression affects everyone. <coughs> you can't control your brain, your thoughts, emotions, and stuff like that. And like you said, like, outside factors. So, mm -hmm. you know, everyone can suffer from it. Okay. So you're saying that, um, ideally, maybe there shouldn't be people suffering from depression, but, right. but the reality is that in the church, you yeah. Probably. So, yeah, so, um, thanks. Do you guys want to add to that or agree, disagree? Yeah. I think, like, ideally, ideally, like, no one would suffer from depression, right? Right. Um, so, um, it, like, the reality is that, you know, the, uh, for Christians, there are just as many people suffering from um, all types of issues, uh, uh, specifically, in this case, depression. So... Well, what I mean, is it? It, it? I mean, there's a difference. Ideally, it, it's like, is it wrong to be depressed, or 
Do you guys think it's wrong to be depressed? <coughs> I, I heard somewhere that it is a sin to despair. Um, and when you are feeling depressed, what you feel a lot of times is despair. Is that wrong? What do you guys think? I kind of feel like if you if you're depressed as a Christian, it's almost like may not, or maybe I'm reading like too much into it, but it also be like you have like a lack of faith in like the future, you know, that God won't provide for you, mm -hmm. and that He doesn't care about you, and that you know that like you're neglected, and that you know you're forgotten. Um, but I mean, I don't think it's wrong to be depressed as a Christian, but I, I feel like that could be invalid. But I mean, I think it's also an opportunity for you to strengthen your faith and just be like, you know, to like just like dive deeper in the word and just be like, you know, like, it's just like me and God and like, mm -hmm. this is an opportunity for you to grow as a Christian or maybe reach out to someone within the church and, yeah. you know, like develop a spiritual connection with or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those answers where it's yes and no. Right? Yeah, it can go either <laughs> way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's There's some... No with that. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, next week, actually, this, so this lesson I, I mentioned earlier is going to be like pretty light on scripture, but... We'll talk. We'll go through a lot more next week as we talk about like how do we like deal with the issue of depression on a theological level. But yeah, I think. Um, but you're, you're both of you're you're like right on both on both ends. Like um, I think in one one in one sense it is sin to not hope in God to feel this despair. On another on another um, on the other end of the spectrum is um, there's so depression is so complex. Um, you, I don't think you can, we can really say it's like sin to feel depression. Um, some of the symptoms of depression, um, those come out as, that might come out as despair, but th th like there are multiple things that can um, add to our depression. Well, um, I mean, Psalm 88 is a great example, right? Because if, 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 if depression is sin, period, then Psalm 88 should end with, and I repented. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, um, I turned to God, and then my depression was over. Mm -hmm. But the Psalm 88 doesn't end like that. And then, so then we can say, well, the Psalm 88 is just a picture of unmitigated sin. Here's a sinner; he's sinning, and in the end, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. um, that would be a very unusual psalm. Yeah. And so, I think Psalm 88 is actually a guide. Uh, to some degree, we're supposed to feel like this, or we're supposed to sympathize at least, right? Mm -hmm. And so, the fact that Psalm 88 doesn't end with I repented and I was out of it tells us that that's not the complete picture yeah okay yeah thanks so um, yeah we'll, we'll talk about this more later but I, I would say that um, if we do feel depressed or if there are people that's in our lives that are going through depression um, it's very very dangerous to say oh it's a sin to feel depressed um, you should like like just like you know be happy and like wow like that everything's awesome and uh, you can fix that but but sometimes uh, it is, right? Sometimes it is. Yeah, it, I mean, it, and different people have different temperaments. So, mm -hmm. like for like, um, some people might it might take them a really long time to come out of it. Other people, um, you can just you know, it's almost like flipping a switch for some people. Um, but yeah, so uh, I would say like uh, one of the main things, especially for Christians, is um, if you know another brother or sister that's dealing with it, uh, probably the, one of the worst things you can say is um, is is it because you're sinning? Is that why you're depressed? Um, that's like one of the worst things you can say. So actually, we'll talk a little bit more about this later. But um, let me, uh, who has not 
read yet. Uh, you have not I read have not yet, Justin. Read. Can you read this quote from John Lockley on how it feels as a Christian to be in the church that's de- that's depressed? Yeah. <clears throat> being depressed is bad enough in itself, but being a depressed Christian is worse. And being a depressed Christian in a church full of people who do not understand depression is like a little taste of hell. Yeah. That's... It's like a little taste of hell. Uh, I have a friend who uh, who suffers from depression, and she... Uh, go to church on and off, and ask her like, I, I, like she'll go for months at a time, and then the next time I talk to her, I'm like, oh, like how's uh, this church doing? And she's like, I actually haven't been there in uh, in like two months, and it's because she's like, you know, like I see everyone else like happy, and um, you know they're they're all, they're hanging out with each other, they're having a good time at church, and I don't feel that at all. Like when she goes to church, she feels like she doesn't. Like, she just doesn't want to talk to anyone. And uh, she's just so turned off by the whole church thing because there is no language for her to express her grief or her, her depression. And it's just uh, really tough for her to be a Christian uh, in a church. Because like like this guy says here, it's being Christian in a church full of... Or being a, a depressed Christian in a church full of people that don't understand. It just sucks so bad. Um, so... This is reality of depression, so we all probably know people um, that, whether or not we know it, um, maybe the reason why they don't go to church anymore is because they're suffering from depression, because they think that there is, that they should be a certain way. The church is telling them we should be all happy, and we should sing all happy songs, and the message should be, should be inspirational, and I should have no problems. And their reality doesn't line up with the reality that's being presented by the church, so the church needs to be really honest about this reality of depression, and actually, the the psalms and the songs that we sing and the the messages that we preach, they should be realistic. They should deal with the issue of depression and the things that everyone goes through. So that's why, if you don't have the gospel, you have nothing. You don't have anything because only the gospel recognizes the the how messed up uh, humanity is. And how deep the the how deep the the effects of the fall um, sink into our lives, and how profound it is. And only the gospel offers a hope that is more profound than that. So we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But um, I think I mean I used to belong to a church that um, would only sing the psalms. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't sing contemporary songs. They would say, "Oh, you know, psalms is God's songbook. We should just sing that." And uh, I thought that was a little bit um, overly restrictive. But I, I thought there was a lot of wisdom in that because you're forced to sing Psalm 88, mm-hmm. right? So you're sitting there in church and you sing this mournful dirge, yeah. you know, Psalm 88, and there's no hope, there's darkness, and that's it. That's the end <laughs> yeah. of the song, right? And but I think it's really, I mean, we should let the Psalms guide us in how to sing, right? And mm-hmm. all our songs, maybe it's a rebuke on us, but all our songs are maybe too happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, are there contemporary sad songs? There are actually <laughs> um, depressing songs. We uh, some of us uh, we we listen to this album. So it's by um, a band called Red Mountain Music. We sing some of their songs in church, and they have an album um, that's all about doubting God, and it's all about um, depression and despair. Um, that's it, it's called it's Red Mountain Music, and um, the title of the album is Help My Unbelief. So you can mm-hmm. sp- find it on Spotify or like find it on iTunes. But it's such um now there, here's a group that understands the reality of life. And they're choosing. They're singing hymns that talk about doubting God and feeling hopelessness. 
Um, we need that, right? Yeah. So, all right. So, um, there are lots and lots of the Christians that suffer from depression. So, I gave a few examples here um, from Job. I just have some uh, some of the um, texts where it talks about how um, the the pain that they're feeling, the depression that they're feeling. Um, C.S. Lewis actually did not know that he suffered from depression, but here's something that he wrote. My heart is empty. All the fountains that should run with longing are are in me dried up. So here is the classic. He doesn't feel anything. It's not that he feels pain. It's not that he feels sadness. It's just he doesn't feel anything. Um, see Charles Spurgeon. So this is uh, the most prolific preacher of the 19th century. He wrote uh, all his sermons and all his writings comprise... They, they make up 63 volumes. So he's the most prolific preacher, writer. Um, in uh, He's from England uh, in the 19th century. And his influence was huge. Like the, the secular newspapers would reprint his sermons on Monday mornings after they transcribed them on uh, at his Sunday services. He was known internationally. Had a huge, profound influence on the church. He was called the Prince of Preachers. And he is a preacher that, that the church will never forget. Uh, he he had a shut-in wife that offered him no support in the ministry, and he suffered from major, major depression his entire life. And this is one of the things that he said, I have suffered to the extent and to the depths of which I hope none of you has ever has to suffer. And he has a lot more quotes. Actually, I'm going to quote him again uh, next week. Um, he felt such depression. But if you look at his his sermons... Um, you'll be like, how can someone that suffers from such a severe, uh, severe issue come up with such, um, so much stuff? And not only was it a lot, it was actually really good stuff as well. Um, and this, he, he dealt with the reality of depression day in and day out. And his wife did not help the situation at all. She added to it. So, um, uh, so here's, here's another guy, um, William Cooper. And William Cooper, he, he actually wrote a lot of uh, songs that we sing. So he wrote, um, God Moves in Mysterious Ways, which we don't sing much at this church. I, I don't think we've sung it at all, but it's a really good song. Um, he, said, he wrote, um, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. Um, he wrote a, a whole bunch of other songs. And he, uh, he wrote this. Well, let me tell you uh, something that he, he suffered from. He suffered from bipolar disorder. He tried to commit suicide several times over the course of his life. Um, he, he dealt, he dealt with uh, bouts of insanity and he was constantly tormented by thoughts of hell. He, like every single day he was worried about God sending him to hell and he was just like, he was a total mess. Um, and this is what he said about his life, or this is actually one of the lines, um, from one of his hymns, darkness long has veiled my mind. Uh, he was... He says if it weren't for the uh, help of John Newton, one of his friends, uh, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, um, John Newton actually took him into his house, and then he just lived with him. He loved him as he was suffering from the depression. But it was decades and decades of despair and torment that he felt. He wrote some of the most, some of the church's most beloved hymns, um, but he went to his deathbed um, suffering from depression. So. The veil never lifted from his mind. Um, Oswald Chambers, if you guys have ever read, heard it, or read his um, devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, one of the uh, more well-known devotionals uh, in our day. 
uh, he says this, Nothing but the overruling grace of God and the kindness of friends kept me out of an asylum. So again, he was a prolific writer. He had so much good stuff to say, but he suffered from depression. Um, I, I couldn't find any quotes from Martin Luther, but um, Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, he, um, he it, it said that he suffered from depression as well, and uh, a whole lot of other people. So I don't think it's, it should be strange that we come across people in our own church that suffer from depression. And look at how bad it was for these guys. And um, I think one thing that we need to take from this is there there shouldn't be any shame associated with depression because uh, it's we don't talk about it much because we think it's embarrassing, we think it's a sign of weakness. But look at these guys, these are giants of the faith. They had such strong faith in God. Um, they had people around them, but at the same time, they dealt with this huge burden of depression uh, questions, comments? All right, I'm going to, going to go through these causes of depression in, a, in just a few minutes. I don't want to uh, go over time, but... Um, so yes. It's just interesting to see all these spiritual giants struggling so profoundly, you know, with depression. It's almost like, how can we say, I mean, can we say you weren't spiritual enough? Or, mm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Are you close enough with God then? I mean, would yeah. we say that to Oswald Chambers or William mm-hmm. Cooper? So just yeah. something to think about. Yeah, that's that's a good comment. Like, if you guys have ever talked to someone, like, you're trying to encourage them, like, if you feel like, if they feel like just total poop, I'm um, like, oh, well, you're not reading the Bible enough or you're not praying enough. That's what you need to fix. And that is usually, like, what I tell people, right? But um, maybe they are praying more than you are. Maybe they're reading the Bible more than you are. Maybe they know a lot more than you do, but it's just... It's not that it's not that easy of a, of a fix. So thanks. Yeah. So I think that maybe when when we talk to people about this, we need to realize that it is a much more complex issue. So let's look at some of the um, causes of depression, things that can play into it. So some people are more genetically dis- predisposed. This is the physical problem. They're more genetically predisposed to depression. So um, if your parents suffer from it, um, there's a higher chance that you do as well. Um, it could be the result of an unhealthy lo- lifestyle. So um, sometimes if you feel like really bad, maybe what you need is to eat better or you need to exercise more or you need to get more sleep. Um, sometimes it, that can be a huge <coughs> help. And you can see some of the things that can lead to that. Um, uh, biochemical imbalance. It could be something um, in like the chemicals. It, the, I think the chemicals that play into depression, It's uh, uh, if you don't have like enough serotonin in, in your system, then that will a physical cause of depression um it could be medication that is conflicting with each other if you're taking one thing and doctor doesn't know it he might prescribe something that will cause something else to happen in your body um spiritual problems and we'll talk more about this next week um it could be that we're just sinning and that could be uh one of the issues but like we said earlier um, be really careful about pointing sin out in people's lives and saying that this is the reason why you're depressed. Uh, it could be more than that. And actually, this is, um, I have in parentheses, nuthetic counseling. And nuthetic counseling is a type of counseling that says, it's, it's um, Christians that say, well, if you're suffering from a problem, uh, you need to be rebuked, you need to have your sin pointed out to you, and you need to repent of that, and that's going to fix a lot of stuff. And that there are a lot of criticisms to that type of counseling. Um, and actually, that's the way that I used to think is like, if you're a Christian, then, you know, you, there's something wrong that you're doing. So just, you know, repent and that'll fix a lot of problems. But actually, that's uh, 
maybe a little bit overly simplistic approach to counseling. And actually, if you guys are familiar with um, the Christian CCEF, EF, it's a Christian Counseling, e, let me see. Educational Foundation. Educational Foundation. It's actually this guy, Ed Welch. He's um, part of CCEF. Um, you guys can like, borrow these books if you want as well. Um, it came as it came out of um, Nuthetic Counseling. It's people that were uh, critical of the Nuthetic Counseling approach. They said, no, it's not that simple. So they provide a much more balanced approach to counseling. Um, so it could be sin. It could be unconfessed sin. So we have the Psalms in Psalm 32. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long. So it might be that there's some sin that is still festering in your heart and you're not confessing it, you're not doing anything about that sin. Um, it could be pride where you become so self-focused that, you know, you, you, you alienate. I, I have here is pride is alienating yourself from God and from other people. You become so self-focused and so worried about your own comfort and happiness that that's going to make anyone miserable, right? I talked about this in small group this week is um, the more you think about yourself usually that's the less happy you are um, another one impose guilt you might live in a culture where um, they say oh you shouldn't listen to you know hip-hop music so when you listen to hip-hop music you go I feel bad for doing that uh, I feel really guilty even though listening to hip-hop music is not wrong um, but it might be something that's imposed on you. So, as I like, uh, some of us went to a Christian school where the church I came from said um, you can't listen to any music with drums because drums are of the devil. So, when we listen to rock music, we're like, oh my goodness! Like, it's basically equal to worshiping Satan. Um, that's the type of culture that that uh, some people grew up in. Um, it could be circumstantial. So, well, going back to the, the spiritual thing. Um, I feel like everything's a balance, right? So you can't say it's only sin, but you can't uh, too lightly dismiss sin as a cause, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, even if you look at the examples you gave in terms of the biblical uh, Old Testament characters, like Elijah, he was depressed, and essentially God had to rebuke him because he was depressed about how things weren't turning out the mm -hmm. way he wanted or hoped. Um, the same with Job, right? Job, um, his friends rebuked him in a callous way, but in the end, God rebuked him too. Yeah. And so, sometimes we do need rebuke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's true. So, like I said, like these, all these, like, could play and I, and that's why I like CCEF. CCEF did come out of synthetic counseling, mm -hmm. but it is a corrective, but it isn't giving up on the paradigm, which is that um, most of our problems, the fundamental root is sin. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, circumstantial, so this could be any like life transition if you get pregnant. Like a lot of women suffer from postpartum depression. Um, it's a very common thing um, if you like, if like a divorce or like if you lose uh, lose lose someone to death. Um, that's gonna <laughs> it's gonna cause anyone to uh, to suffer. Um, unmet expectations. So I have this quote um, or this uh, proverb: "Hope deferred makes a heart sick." Um, it can be unforeseen happening. So like nine eleven. This was like tr this was traumatic to a lot of people, um, so it could be that. Um, and here's another one that we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But um, it could be that you're abandoned by God. So I have it abandoned in quotes. Um, sometimes God will hide His face from us, and some people call this the dark night of the soul, um, where it seems like God has removed His hand from you. It seems like God has has turned His back on you. 
And for Christians, a lot of them, and I think this is a reality that a lot of us don't think about, is um, sometimes you just feel like God isn't there. And um, it, it weighs really heavy on us. And this is actually, um, this happens to a lot of people. And um, I was told in, by one of my professors, if you're a Christian, you should expect it to happen to you at least once in your life, where it feels like God is not there, that God is completely absent. Um, but um, we know that God never forsakes his children. Um, but we, but it's possible that it might seem like God has removed himself from us. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. And this is actually a really um, tough thing as well. Um, so at, I have the book of Job where... Um, Job went through like the worst of the worst, and um, if we if we read some of the things that he says, it seems like almost like God has abandoned him. Um, but the good thing is that Job never uh, he never ultimately rejects God, or he never ultimately turns away from God. Um, so let's finish this off. How to look at depression? So um, we talked about this earlier. Understand how common it is. So many people suffer from it. Uh, and know that it's not a complicated, or know that it's uh, a complicated issue with no easy answers. So, when we talk to people that that deal with this, don't expect one or two things. Uh, don't prescribe one or two things and just say like this will fix you. Um, and uh, consider next one. Consider all the possible causes before taking medication or some other type of action. So medication is very um, antidepressants is, is such a huge market. Um, and actually, they say that even preschoolers are taking um, antidepressants. That's really scary. And we might, if we think that it's primarily a physical cause, then we might say that's easy. All you have to do is give them a pill because that deals with the physiology. Um, but we need to consider all the different aspects that could play into depression before we just say, like, do this or that or read the Bible more and that will fix you. Um, and then um, realize that that depression is a consequence of living in a fallen world. So this quote from uh, Romans, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves. So... Some people are going to suffer from cancer. Some people are going to suffer from um, persistent migraine headaches. Some people are going to suffer from, um, you know, their organs aren't working correctly. And we shouldn't think that, we, we don't call those people weak, but we might say the person who's suffering from depression is mentally weak. It's something that they can fix themselves. The issue, it's, it's just because it's, it's a mental thing doesn't mean it's any less severe, that's any less important we can't just like say eh, just deal with it and um, we have to realize that some people deal with more apparent uh, obvious symptom or um, diseases or uh, things wrong with the body and depression is one of those things uh, it affects the world because we live in a fallen world and then um, ultimately um, we need to look to God if we suffer from it or if we know that someone is suffering from it we point them to God and we'll talk so next week's lesson is going to be completely focused on how we point to God, how we look at the gospel to deal with our depression. So um, I have this quote here. Um, Tommy, can I ask you to read this Psalm 42? And we'll close off with this at the very bottom. <clears throat> okay. Uh, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Miser. 
All right, thanks. So ultimately, we want to look to God. So we'll we'll uh, so be here next week, and we'll talk about how we look to God for this. Any questions, comments before we close up? All right, let's close up. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, just teaching us about this, and I pray that um, for those of us that suffer from it, uh, even ourselves, that you would lift our hearts, that you would lift our eyes to you, to look to you as the only um, answer. God, so put in us a, a, a longing to know you, uh, put in us a longing to, to help those, to point others to you, God. And... Um, yeah, just uh, as we as we deal with depression, as we de- as we help other people that deal with depression, will you remind us that you are everything, that you are enough for all of us, God, and teach us well. We pray for the upcoming service that we would worship you with one heart, one mind, God, and uh, we we just thank you so much for being so good to us. Can, we ask your continued blessing and favor on us, God. You are good, and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. <clears throat>